As iron sharpens iron, darling, so it is one woman sharpen another. Welcome to the Woman Ride Podcast, hosted by Anainan Otterwell and Cynthia Lyon, building strong women of color, the cultivation of the mindset. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Woman Ride Podcast. I'm your co-host, Cynthia Lyon. Today's chat is going to be very informative, interesting, and I'm looking forward to it because this is something that is troubling majority of people, myself included, and there's just so much work we still need to do. There is a quote by Benjamin Franklin that says, an investment in knowledge pays the best interest. But how many of us are actually willing to do personal development? Like we want everything to just be handed to us. We must just get all the knowledge. We must just get, we must just become financial literate, but we're not willing to put in the effort. And these are things we're never going to learn in school, in varsity. We actually have to put in the efforts, the research and all of that to become financially literate in order for us to be able to achieve financial freedom or for us to be able to manage our finances. Because honestly, the biggest problem is not really about obtaining more money, but it's the fact that we can't manage the little that we already have. So how are we supposed to be faithful with what with more funds? But anyway, my co-host, Anainan Otterwell, will introduce today's topic as well as the guests that we have with us today. Hey everybody, thank you guys for joining us yet again. So today's topic is titled The Money Talk. Now we're going to be talking about a part of our life that we just don't want to face it, we don't want to talk about it, they don't know why we're scared of it. But today we decided that we'll have this conversation because we want to be real. And we have brought a guest, her name is Tisezo Malapani. Thank you Tisezo for honoring the invite. And yeah, this is all we'll be sharing with us about finances, our relationship with money, budgeting, saving, investments, like not almost everything that's, that has to do with money, but like we'll be touching on the basics. So I hope you guys will really enjoy this episode because it's going to be an informative one. So you better have your ears and your notepad and your pen ready. I hope you guys will enjoy. Um, hello to you and your listeners. Um, usually that's just how I introduce myself. It depends where I am, it depends who I am with. So for now, let's just say this is Tiseto Malapani. I'm here to speak to you about finances and how to pivot in terms of financial wealth, financial freedom, whatever it is that you want to call it. Professionally, I am an accountant. I'm a registered uh, member of SIPA, which is South African Institute of Professional Accountants. I qualified in was it 2019 when I officially qualified with SIPA. So I just a bit of background. I started become accounting um, back then. I wanted to be a CA, but that didn't quite work out. Um, at Wits University. So it was quite a struggle. I mean, it took me five years to finish a three-year degree, but it's something that I embraced. Um, I'm also a financial advisor. I'm registered with Discovery. And um, sometime this year, I think it should be July or August, I should be writing my regulatory exams, which gives me a license to be a um, an advisor for Discovery, but I can also be 
a stockbroker, so to speak, so I can open my own license and start taking clients on my own. Yeah. So, Disetso, what is a financial advisor? I know the name already tells itself, but can you give us a more proper description of what a financial advisor actually is? Yeah, like you said, it tells itself. So, financial advisor is supposed to be a professional or an expert who can give you advice regarding finances. And this is someone who's going to guide you and give you knowledge and practical tools that you can use to make good financial decisions. So if you've got an advisor that's giving you questionable advice, then they're not really living up to their title. So at one point or another, everyone has dealt with a financial advisor. And I know um, most of us actually, when we started working, you probably started working for an institution and they called you financial advisor. So the popular ones would be the funeral policies um, sellers. So they call themselves financial advisor. But at the time, it's just someone who's trying to get employed, someone who's trying to get money. So usually a good financial advisor is someone who's going to walk the path to financial well-being, financial wellness with you. So through all the different stages of your life, you have this person that you can call up and ask, hey, this has changed, this has happened in my life, how does it impact me financially? And they give you tools and practical guidelines for you to to pivot your life, basically, from a financial perspective. Like I said, so many of us already have had experiences with financial advisors. So if you, at one point, opened a bank account, you probably had someone who was a consultant Or if you have a life cover, you probably have dealt with what they call financial advisor. Or if you have an investment account or savings account, that one particular person is someone who's supposed to help you and guide you. So particularly individuals who have um, life policies. Remember, when you start working, many of us, we all jump for life policies because that's what our parents taught us. Go get a life policy. So in that life policy with Institution X, there's someone who wrote up that policy for you. That person is your financial advisor. So whether you're earning two grand a month or two grand a day, that person, you actually have the right to call them and say, friend, you need to be telling me about how I need to pivot in my life. Because on that policy that you have, so remember with life policies, many of us hold them for 20, 30, 40 years. So that person is earning a commission on your monthly premium. So whether you talk to them or not is actually your decision to not talk to them. But based on you being an active member of that policy, you can call that person and ask for advice because they are rightfully your financial advisor. So it's good when you start early. It's good to start when you still have two grand a month, five grand a month to have a financial advisor so that they can help you to not make mistakes. Because remember, many of us make mistakes in our early careers. I know that many of us have heard this term many times, but I'm still going to ask about it. Um, What is budgeting and why is budgeting so important? So... Budgeting is, is, is a tool that is supposed to help you navigate through a specific period. So imagine if you're saying you're going on a road trip and 
you have no idea where you're going. You have no idea how you're going to get there. You have no idea where you're going to sleep or what you're going to eat. So a budget is basically a tool that is supposed to help you get to where you want to go. So your money is, your finances, your money is supposed to be a resource that helps you to navigate through a certain period, i.e. either a month or a quarter or a year or 20 years. So when you budget, you basically know what your resource is and how far that resource can take you. So like I said, if I'm traveling to Cape Town, and then I have a car that fills up 40 liters of petrol. I won't make it past Bloemfontein if I'm traveling from Pretoria. So that's what a budget is. It gives you an idea on, okay, fine, this is where I need to go. This is how much I need to get there. And this is how I'm going to use this to get where I'm going. And that actually reminds me of a quote by Dave Ramsey that says that a budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went um that is what a lot of people tend to say like oh my gosh i don't know where my money went this month um instead if you actually draft a budget you get to tell your money where to go um you don't even have to do this like at a later stage in your life you can start very early you can start in varsity you already know how much your money comes in every month the allowance you get you already know the expenditures you have so you can draft your own budget, you draft all the income, and then you draft all the expenditures that you have and how much you spend on those expenses per month. And then you get to see, do your does your income outweigh your expenses or do your expenses outweigh your income? Um, is that why you always find that you're always living on an overdraft, on a negative balance basically every month? Or... You get to see that, okay, your income surpasses your expenditure and you're able to have money left each month. But basically, it just helps you to plan. So you can do this and you can start this at a young age. And I think it's going to help you so much because a lot of people end up wondering, where did my money go? But if they actually decided to draft a budget of, I'm going to use so much for this, for groceries. I'm going to use so much for petrol. I'm going to use so much for this and that and that. It makes it easy to navigate your finances and to see where it actually went at the end of the month when you're reviewing your finances. Yeah, so if I can add on here, remember, if we give, hence my beginning, my intro, titles, titles can be very daunting and and scary. So usually when you hear budget, you think of big corporations that have 200 billion that they have to budget for capex or they have to budget for whatever. So if budgeting, if the term budgeting is a little bit daunting for you, call it whatever you want, call it a forecast, call it a monthly plan, call it a weekly cash flow plan, call, call it whatever you want, call it my, my, piggy, my piggy bank report, you know? So identify a term that makes you feel less nervous about it so that you also enjoy the experience of budgeting enjoy the experience of planning for the month ahead enjoy the experience of having i don't know a forecast you know an outlook of where your month needs to go just so that you don't become so terrified of it that you just don't do it because the other thing is people do it mentally if you do it mentally, it's not going to work because it, you forget, you know, we have so many things that happen, you forget. So it's always advisable to write it down, um, plug it wherever you're going to see it or leave it in your diary. I have a daily planner 
So I usually write my stuff in there and I always revert back. Okay, fine. This is where I am this month. On the 15th, okay, this is where I am. So when you write it down, it gives you um, that mental picture to remember that actually this is where I'm standing. So I would advise, name it whatever you want to name it, whatever term that you resonate with and write it down. Um, so can you please explain to us what a credit score is? I know we've had it, we've had this term a lot of times, either when you're opening a clothing account or when you want to take out something on credit like your phone or your laptop, or maybe you want to open up a flat or you want to take a car. They actually tell you that they need to check your credit score first if you qualify. So what exactly is it and why is it important for us to have a good credit score? Yeah, you can just like take us through all of that. A credit score, I always make an example of <clears throat> it's a lot like your report card, Koskolong. So for your grades report card. So there's someone out there, which is the financing institutions that's basically watching how you behave when it comes to money. And then the reason they do it is just to assess or or just um to check how much you how much of a risk you are or how much you can actually afford or qualify for when it comes to debt. So a credit score it's it's usually a number between zero and a thousand, well zero and nine nine nine. And then a good credit score is about six hundred and seventy, six hundred and eighty. And then um, when a bank wants to give you money or when a retail store wants to give you a clothing account, they look at all of these things, which is your behavior in the past three, four, five years. I actually am not sure how long it, it, it stays. Well, it stays on forever, but I don't know how far back they look into your history. And then it will determine at what um, cost, i.e. what interest rate, you if i can say you qualify for so basically they to be blunt they judge you <laughs> based on your score so if you've got a very low score because of bad credit history as in you're always late for your payments or you're overly indebted they they are more reluctant to give you credit or if they do give it to you then you are going to pay a much higher interest rate versus someone who's got who's got a favorable score. So we've got, I know of three institutions that actually, um, if I can call manage these things, the credit score history, it's TransUnion, ClearScore and Experian. I know Experian is foreign. Um, I'm not sure about the other two. So these are the institutions it's, um, who, manage the database i'm guessing <laughs> i'm not sure how to phrase it but um so if you if you go to a bank the bank will have your id number and then they will go either on experian or ClearScore or transunion or any other system that they may have that i'm not aware of that's where they can pull up all your credit score and um the clothing um stores the retail accounts they also have access to all of that so you don't need to go to the bank and say my score is 500 rand by virtue of having a um a id number 
the bank can go and search for your history. Remember, when you're applying for credit, they actually ask you if you give permission. So interesting enough, even when you're renting out a place, there are property agents that actually ask you, can we do a credit check on you? And I've said no before, <laughs> and I was declined. <laughs> Wait, so would you care to share why you um, refused for them to check your credit score? Um, I was still young then, but <laughs> here are my reasons. Remember, on these reports, they see everything, everything that you've ever done financially they're gonna see it the interesting thing is which i actually found freaky was they actually keep track of all the addresses that you've ever lived in all the cell phone numbers that you've ever had so if you remember you applied somewhere with the uncle's second twin cousin's home residential address and then you put it there when you go under that that report, when you check your history, you're going to find that address sitting there. It was so freaky. And then it even shows you the year that you'd used that, that particular address. So I moved around a lot. So I've completely forgotten that once upon a time I stayed in Sunnyside, right? And then I think it was about a year ago. And I go in just to also see where my ID number is, where it's lying. And I went there and then it was showing me a Sunnyside address and I'm like, never, I've never stayed in Sunnyside, never, never. Guys, I was actually working in Woodlands and I was staying at my cousin's house and they needed my, my residential place and I put that there. So they they have quite, if you have, if someone can see your, your, your credit report or if they can find your profile to your credit score, they're going to find very sensitive information that, you might not want other people to know, but I don't want people to know my home address. So if I'm just applying for a place that I might like, but won't necessarily take it, I don't want you to come to my house afterwards and say, you, 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 you made me as an agent. I went through all this trouble and you don't take my, you don't take the place and I'm going to crash your car. You know, so I was a little bit obsessed in that regard. So that was my reason for saying no, because at the time I wasn't taking the place. It was just applying for it. So I was like, if it's just applying for it, then I would rather not give you guys all of me, so to speak. Um, so would you advise someone to take out a loan or they should just save up and buy whatever that they want to buy on cash? Um, I think the golden rule is cash is king, if you've heard it before. So if you're considering a loan, you need to ask yourself why. Why are you looking for the loan? And then start from there, take it from there. So there's various reasons why people need loans, right? Sorry. Um, is it to buy a car? Is it to fund your studies? Is it for a medical procedure? Is it for a house? Is it for a business? So now if I want a loan for a building project to go rebuild my grandmother's house, it's not advisable to go take out a personal loan, right? So I'd rather go ask for a home building loan because interest rates vary according to how long you want the debt and what the debt is going to be for. So if, I, if I'm going to build a house for my grandmother um, and I'm asking for 200000 and I can tell them I'm only earning X amount and I'll be able to pay it over five years. So they will give me a loan with an interest rate 
relevant to five years. Whereas with many personal credit loans, it's a revolving credit. So that credit usually has a high interest rate and it's never ending. So you can have a limit, but then if, let's say for instance, you get a loan, a personal loan for 5,000 Rand. When we say revolving is, if it's 5,000 Rand and you pay off a thousand Rand, you can go back and ask for another thousand Rand. So it can permanently be on 5,000 Rand credit maxed out. Whereas with the, with some home loans, you ask for 250,000 Rand. If you pay off 50,000 Rand, you cannot go ask for 50,000 Rand again. So interest rates depend on what it is that you, you want to use the money for. Again, if it's a medical procedure, um, do you want to go to a bank and ask a personal loan or you rather call your mom to ask for that particular loan? So mom gives it as a 0% interest rate or the bank does. Or if you, if you want to study as well. So normally with study loans, they're much cheaper because they understand that it is a study loan and with the aspiration that you're going to work at some point, which is usually three, four years later, and then you'll be able to pay it back. So the term for the study loan is also four years or three years, which is shorter than a building loan. Also, if you maybe it's for a business, right? If your business is very risky um, with any business, you don't know whether you're going to get your money back. So interest rate is going to vary on there. Do you want the money to buy stock or do you want the money to go buy a building? So it, it depends on why you want that loan. Assess that and then assess the, the interest rate that you're going to get. But generally as a standard rule, I think well, not a standard rule, but a golden rule is cash is king. So sorry, I was mentioning business in a sense that with the business, you'd rather take out a loan because then... Um, it, it eases off your cash flow issues. So instead of if you're getting a business and then you want to buy a property for the business and then the loan is for 20 years, let's say your installment is 12,000 Rand a month. So instead of you taking out the cash of however much to buy this property, you can only, you can pay it monthly and then use the other cash that you have on hand to invest it in other areas of the business. So from a business perspective, it is also a cash flow um, decision that, that is around that. So those are the type of things that you consider whether to buy cash or to get a loan. Um, so when it comes to debts, how can one uh, reduce their debts? Because we really have a lot of people that are drowning in debt and they want to come out, they don't know how to do it. So how can one avoid being in debt? And also, how does the snowball method work? Yeah, ideally you, you want to avoid debt. Um, again, you also need to understand why you want the debt. So obviously, if you're going to buy a house, which you're going to live in for the next 20 years, then that is sort of considered a good debt, you know, so you can opt for that. But if you're now starting to live beyond your means, meaning that if you say you earn 5,000 rand, like you were saying earlier with the budget, if you're earning 5,000 rand, that's your income, and then all of your expenditures are 8,000 rand. That is someone who's living below their means because, your income is five, 
your expenses are eight. So already you have a 3,000 rand shortfall. This is where people now start getting into debt. You either start borrowing money from my aunt and uncle or a friend, or you dig into your credit card. So when, when you start seeing that pattern, you should be having red flags to say, let me step back and revisit my life. So that is how debt started. But unfortunately, many of us, um, ignore <laughs> these red flags and then because like at some point especially when you're starting to work a credit card feels or looks like it's an an achievement so you're just gonna dig in there actually there are people who didn't know that a credit card is a debt no <laughs> it's not your money you're gonna have to pay it back you know and usually <laughs> banks give you far more than you can afford and then when you don't have the self-discipline, you you keep digging in there. So unfortunately, many of us have already fallen into this trap and you've got an account called Edgarston, called Zara. And if Ucheka, all of these things are just clothing. Nothing yako macro nyana to say, okay, fine, he bought a TV or she bought a stove nyana here or a table or a school laptop. No, all of these are clothing, you know. That's when you like sit back and actually say, <clears throat> I am in a lot of trouble. People feel like the debt never goes away. And it's usually because they don't, they usually pay the minimum installment. So the other advice is to get quicker out of debt is if if Woolworths is asking for 850, give them 900 rand, give them a thousand rand and don't shop again. That's the other thing. Have the sense of discipline to not go there again. If you're an, an uh, impulsive shopper, you're always shopping for clothes. We are coming nothing. You need a pair of earrings. We are You need a pair of this or a pair of that. And then you just go in and shop. No, go into your closet and find something. Go on Pinterest and get new look um, inspiration so that you can wear the dress differently or that pen, the pair of slacks differently. So don't be impulsive in your spending. So it's no use that you're trying to do all of this hard work to budget and to be consistent and to be disciplined, but you haven't changed your behavior. You haven't changed your mindset. So um, handle your mindset first, handle your behavior first. Also find out why you shop so much. Is it because you are emotionally responsive or is it um, peer pressure or is your lifestyle just that demanding? I mean, there's a fashion designer who always has to buy new material because people are always asking for new stuff. But also she, because she's trying to please so many people, she gets overly indebted because she hasn't chosen what her boundaries basically so have your boundaries know how far you can extend them and just stick to who you are i know with one of your podcasts you guys were talking about um brutally knowing yourself you know know your boundaries have your boundaries and just stick with them even with your finances if you tell yourself i'm not gonna go out today and then Lerato comes are, are you go McDonald's? no not today friend because i'm on this thing with my finances mm. And now that you mentioned that, I'm actually glad you mentioned that because it just brought me back to the thought of some of the the reasons that we find ourselves in financial jeopardy or having this difficulty with managing finances is because we've inherited these behaviors from our parents, aunts, uncles, and they also inherited these bad money decisions from their parents, aunts, uncles. So that's why it, it ends up becoming a generational thing. Not saying that 
people who are born into a certain cycle will not be able to break it. There are people mm. who have been born into the poverty um, cycle, but a few are able to escape it. It's not easy though, but there are people who are able to break away from it. But the thing is, the, this poverty mindset gets, it gets transferred to you. And yeah. then you also start behaving the same way. You also afraid of spending. You also stingy with money because your parents are very stingy with money mm. and you wonder why you like that. Or maybe your mom was an impulsive shopper and you also now become like that because that's what you grew up, you grew up into because like, okay, whenever you stressed, just go buy a new handbag. Now mm. that's the same thing with you. Whenever you stress, just go buy a pair of new shoes. Mm. And then you don't understand where this is coming from. But once you actually start to really sit down and you're like, you know what? I want to have a better relationship with money. I want to learn how to manage it. I don't want to let it control me, but I want to learn how to control it. You know, yeah. that's when you start to realize these are the things that I've inherited from my mother. For example, you said that um, that principle, cash is king. That is definitely something I have inherited from my mom because mm. my mom prefers cash over, you know, credit, over credit. debt. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Rather, especially when it comes to these uh, retail shops, she doesn't want to open accounts because that's a, for her it's a trap because mm. now it's basically buying things you can't afford. Why can't you buy those 200 rand shoes? Why do I have to open an account? So that means I don't have that amount to buy that shoe. Then let me just leave it. You know, that's yeah. how she sees it. Like, let me rather buy the things that I can afford. I have the money, let me buy. Because next thing, I'm going to be buying all these things from this shop and then the next shop and the next shop. And I have so much credit. I'm in so much debt, you know. And you and never I actually even do... wear them. You never go to, um, to, to exactly. anywhere. I have a, oh, a lady who, um, with children. Children always want a new toy. Every time mm. they want to come back with a new toy. So she's introduced a discipline where if you're going to get a new toy, you have to give one away. You have to donate one. So which was quite quite an interesting um, perspective because you have these things all piling up. That's how be, people mm. become holders. But then it also teaches you to buy with intention. So if I'm buying yeah. a white shirt, then I'm going for a job interview for the white with the white shirt and I'm going to wear it to work. But if I just want the white shirt because all white part and then there's like all white shirts in my cupboard, hell, go search for an old white shirt, you know, buy with intention so I really like that principle so I also introduced it with clothing as well if I'm going to be buying an extra pair of jeans I have to donate one one in one out and I'm actually glad you also mentioned um buy with intention because there's something you mentioned where you were like um I don't remember exactly what you said but you were talking about clothes oh yeah like someone who who buys new clothes for every event yeah. and then the thing is my advice would be Buy clothes that you know you're going to still like in the next six months and they're going to still be good quality in the next six months. Because before I used to be like quantity over quality, but like my mm -hmm. whole mindset shifted to quality over quantity because sometimes you're going to shop here because it's cheap. But in after three months, those clothes are now like, you know, they're just <laughs> not it. <laughs> you have yeah. to shop every I'm sorry, we spend yeah. Yeah, you I'm sorry we're spending a little bit longer on this one, but I like it because that's the that's the trap that many females fall into. The clothing yeah. accounts are a big yeah. issue. So like you, I like what you're saying. 
quality over quantity. So I'll tell you my story. So when I was working in Sunnyside, I was, like I said, I was working at Woodlands. I used to wear from Mr. Price. I think at the time, I can't remember, I think I was earning 13 rand an hour or something. And then I'd buy those sandals. It was the VAC work in December. I was buying those sandals. I think they were like 89 rand or 99. If it rains and I walk in rain with those shoes, I'm not going to wear them three days later because they are very little. And then mm. it's, it's usually my lesson was mostly with shoes. And I learned that um, because I walk so much, I used to walk everywhere, guys. Taxis, I, I used to I used to walk. Nah? So when I started getting 10,000 rand per month, I told myself I'm going to invest in decent shoes because I can't keep buying shoes every season. Mm. You know? yeah. And yeah. that was a big thing for me. So I stopped, I switched from being quant- quantity to quality but now interesting enough when I started having a car when I started driving somewhere because I just I love slippers I, I think I have like eight pairs of slippers so what? 90%, <laughs> 90% of my time I'm wearing slippers so usually if I go anywhere my shoes are from the car into the building that I'm going to or into the event when I'm done when I go back into the car I take them off I've literally switched back to cheaper because they last longer. So you also have to look mm-hmm. at what your lifestyle is like. So if you're a walker, if you are, if you if you're in construction, my husband is in construction. His boots are like two grand, four grand, whatever, because they have steel and then they protect the ankle and they protect this and that because of all the hazard, hazardous stuff that they do at work. So I won't go and buy that five seven grand shoe because it it doesn't give me as much protection and benefit from it. So depending yeah. on what phase in life you are, it is going to affect your mindset, whether it's quantity over quality or the other way around. And there's nothing wrong with that. All right, then uh, we can dive deep into investments, uh, the different types of investments and how one from investing um investments is, has become quite a a big term and pretty much a confusing term sometimes it's even confusing for me as a professional but if effectively investment really talks about four types of investments you're either investing in cash or you're investing in property or stocks or shares which is basically the same thing or bonds retail bonds right so over the years, all of these things have 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 gotten fancier names. So Standard Bank will have its own name for its own customers or its niche. Investic. So everybody, all the players in the market have come up with all these different fancy names and their benefits and all of that. But effectively, when we're talking about investment, we're talking about um, a vehicle that's going to earn you money or it's going to earn your returns, it will either be one of these four categories or all of them. So it's, yeah, like I said, it's bond, shares, property, or cash. So now if we talk about stock fell, for instance, stock fell at the end of the day, it's cash investment. You can call yeah. it stock fall, you can call it saving. It, it is a cash thing that you're going to put cash away and then you're going to get it at some point with, it's all as I said, it's, it's earning interest, you know, 
Or if yeah. I have 200 million and I buy a property, that is property. It's still an investment. So all the tax-free investments or unit trust or indexes or um, retirement annuities, it's just fancy names that everybody who plays in the market, they want it to attract certain type of people. They want it to speak to certain type of people. But the underlying thing under all of these fancy names is you putting away your money, which is an asset or capital, into bonds, shares, property, or cash. Okay. If you want, if you want to get a little bit deeper on it, um, but still on the rather basic level. So if you're going to say, what is the difference between investments and savings? The truth is there's only three differences between the two. So with investing, we're talking about long-term. When we say long-term, we're looking at five years, seven years plus, 30, 40, 70 years. If we're talking about in savings, we're talking about something that's now. And you're going to save for this weekend. You're going to save for this month. You're going to save for the next 12 months. So it will be anything from now until four years and 11 months. And 29 days or whatever and then investments are also you are putting the asset which is money into something um, that is not liquid meaning that it is a property when we say liquid we mean how easy or how quickly can you turn it into cash so it's something that is not liquid let's say property so if i say i have an investment in property and then 200 million standard bank is going to tell me you're going to have to wait for a buyer for that because it's so much it's it's valuable however much it will take us six months to sell it so it's not liquid versus with the savings account i can walk to standard bank and say i want my money back then they say okay fine come back tomorrow come back in seven days, in 14 days, or in 31 days, i.e. the terms we know is a seven-day fixed deposit, a 14-day mm -hmm. fixed deposit, 32-day fixed deposit. So savings is more liquid. Um, investment is not liquid. And then lastly, investments have higher return, also purely because you invested for a much longer period. And then savings mm -hmm. are lower returns because I can save today and then in the next seven days I want my money back. So that's why you find savings have like a 5% per annum return or a 6%. If you're lucky, you'll get like seven or nine. And then investments, you can get 30%, 60%. Heck, you can get 100%, more than that, depending on what vehicle you're using it. So if you have shares or property or bonds, that money can grow I don't know how much more than what you've put in. So you can only, not that you can only, you make the most money in investing by investing in a lucrative platform that, and you're keeping it for much longer. So if I was to invest in shares now, if I buy MTN shares now um, for 20 Rand, tomorrow they'll probably still be 20 Rand. In the next year, they'll probably still be 20 Rand. But in the next 15 years, depending on how MTN performs, it might be worth 50 Rand. So the longer you put your money away, that is that is a more preferable way to earn money or to, to multiply, so to speak. This conversation was really, really informative and it was so necessary because money is a big 
a big part of our lives we really need to have more of these conversations i really hope we can still have you again so we can build up on this topic and talk more about our relationship with money and also i think it's a learning curve and there are so many layers to this so i hope we like take the pointers that we already have on this episode and build up on it and learn more about money and our finances and how we can be how we can actually get it right so we so we are so grateful that you honored the invite we really appreciate it and i really hope that all our listeners will like this episode just as i did thank you again for joining us and also you can just tell us where we can find you um you can give us your instagram handle or your email or wherever we can reach out to you if ever would be needing help in terms of finances my instagram uh, page is akvisor at a c c v i s o r that's my business page my page is at dicta25 and then my contacts are 0726468654 so i'm not very good at answering phone calls so just leave me an sms i'm old school i'll get back to you otherwise email is admin at rokawone.co.za A-D-I admin <laughs> A-D-M-I-N at G-O-K-A-O-N-E dot C-O dot Z-A would like to thank everyone that is continuously supporting us and we are so grateful for the positive feedback that we get from you guys so please feel free to send us a dm on instagram at women underscore right at women underscore right sharing your insights or comments about our episodes and also if you'd like to become a guest on one of our episodes tackling a topic of your choice that is in line with our vision and our mission please feel free to send us a dm as well thank you guys for tuning in and we can wait to have you on our next next one.